0: what is going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the dishes and dimes podcast my name is christian oblena and today is november 16 two days away from the nba draft the trade moratorium has just been lifted today at 12 o'clock eastern it is right now 4 30 pacific time and We already have a blockbuster type trade this morning. Um, Chris Paul has been traded to the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul and Abdel Nader, for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lequeux and a 2022 first round pick. And I mean, hey, right off the bat, we, we saw it coming last week, chris paul rumors uh phoenix was probably the best suitor for them in terms of contracts that are um desirable for the thunder you know taking back ricky rubio uh kelly Oubre, uh two young guys and a 2022 first round pick so sam Presti still gets another first round pick he has at least two uh first round picks for the next uh six years i believe and I mean, that's just the perfect, perfect package for the Phoenix Suns to get for Chris Paul, who's 35, uh, is making around $40 million, 35 or $40 million. And someone who, uh, if you keep him, uh, is not gonna, you know, take your team to a higher level than he did last year and making to the first round of the playoffs. Like who knows, maybe he even breaks down this year. Um, and they weren't, keeping Chris Paul at all in terms of long-term plans. Uh, they're looking to rebuild around Shea Gilda's Alexander and try to get uh, as much as, as as much assets and, you know, rebuild from there. And so able to trade Chris Paul, um, this early off the season they had him for one year they use as much as they they can they did with uh with cp3 he helps shea he helped Dennis shooter for a little bit who we will talk about in just a minute um but it looks great for both teams uh rubio and Ubre are the most kind of positive contracts that they have now uh they could still run it with these three guys rubio shea and Ubre. that's that's an okay, you know, uh, starting guard and wing combo, and even after a couple of months, maybe by the trade deadline, Rubio and Ubre are two guys that some contenders may want to get uh, to help them in the playoff push, and so you know the Thunder probably aren't too tied with those two. Um, And so they could give them up again and maybe even get more assets, more picks. And that would just be insane. So I mean, the Thunder are set up for the rest of the decade. uh, It seems like, and Sam Presti, again, he does it uh, in such good fashion for them. And he's putting them in such a great position for this, for this rebuild process. They saw some solid players, uh, some solid pieces. And so it's really great. And obviously for the Suns, you get Chris Paul, who's an all-star last year, a guy with veteran leadership who is an all-time point guard, who literally is point God. He's a guy that can help Devin Booker, uh, take some pressure off of him. He can help, uh, Deandre Ayton in the pick and roll game. Uh, I imagine pick and rolls being run by Chris Paul and Deandre Ayton and then kicking it out to Devin Booker or Mikael Bridges. Um, cam johnson like this is a very young and exciting team that is pushing for this playoff spot and is pushing for um success and in a team that hasn't made the playoffs in the last for the whole decade in the 2010s and so uh this is really exciting if you're a phoenix suns fan really exciting for the nba because now you know devin booker is a guy that uh people have always wanted to you know succeed in this past in these past couple years and he's knocking the door of being a superstar so it's it's a win-win for both teams uh speaking of uh a winning trade the lakers are intending to be trading danny green and their first round pick this year for dennis Schroeder. that was reported yesterday on sunday that they are they have an agreement um in not like an actual agreement but just like an intended agreement to have that trade go down so far it hasn't really been official official yet um so maybe it may be a trade that is going to go down on draft night um so there there's room for that trade to be uh you know messed with or even like mixed around with maybe there's other players that could be involved in this trade and I mean, right off the bat, it's a great trade for the Lakers. They get off their draft pick, which wouldn't be an impact player at all this year anyway. And they get off Danny Green, who's a no-show in the entire playoffs. Um, for Dennis Shooter, who was pretty much like the the runner-up for six-man of the year and is a solid ball handler and a guy that they desperately need, um, a skill set that they desperately need on this team, especially now that Um, A lot of their key guys maybe lost to free agency. Uh, KCP is declining his option. So is Rondo. Um, Avery Bradley is now getting uh, suited by the Warriors and the Bucks, it seems like, um, from certain reports. Uh, They already are about to trade Danny Green. Uh, Marquise Morris is a free agent. Dwight Howard is a free agent as well. So a lot of their key guys, other than obviously LeBron and, and Anthony Davis, uh could be lost to free agency. And so getting this trade for expi- even though Dennis Shooter is an expiring contract, it's a great trade for them. Um they get off they get off of a guy who wasn't producing in the playoffs. Um and they get a skill set that will help them compete again next year for another championship. So, you know, both sides win that trade. Um if it goes down whether tonight or tomorrow or draft night, it's going to be a good trade for both teams because even for the Thunder, they get that first round pick um, and they get to decide what they want to do with Danny Green. You um, can stay and be a veteran leader. Um, he is getting up there in age and, you know, how much does he have left in the, in, in the tank? And so, or you could trade him to a contender next, uh, you know, upcoming, on the upcoming trade deadline. Obviously, there's going to be some desperate teams looking for a shooter. And defender like Danny Green, even though he didn't show in the playoffs, maybe, you know, it's just a different season for him this year. And then the big news coming from yesterday was Harden reportedly actually wants out of the Rockets. Um, apparently, <laughs> like this is no uh, surprise here. I talked about in the last episode, he was reportedly all, you know, quote unquote locked in for the Rockets this year. And the Rockets apport- reportedly are okay with running it back with Westbrook and Harden, but it just seems like this relationship that both of these guys have with the Rockets is pretty much over, right? No more Mori, no more uh, Mike D'Antoni. They hired Steven Silas as a head coach who hasn't been a coach in a while. Uh, He was an assistant for the Mavs and they um, promote Raphael Stone to the GM who was the assistant. And now, you know, I don't think Harden and, Uh, Fertitta, the the owner of the Rockets, have this great relationship where he's going to stay. And, you know, this is very just not surprising at all. And now the two teams that are reportedly he has interested in are the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I've talked about a trade with Harden before. Um, It would have to be like an Embiid uh, situation for Philly or something. Uh, I don't think Philly would ever trade Ben Simmons. It would have to be maybe like a three-team trade. Uh, there's been some rumors around like, um, you know, Harden going to Philly, uh, Ben Simmons going to Golden State, and like Wiggins going to ro- to the Rockets, and maybe there's some picks involved. But, um, it just can you imagine? You know, Harden. Irving and Durant on the same team? Like, are they going to play with uh, three basketballs, two basketballs? Who knows? Who knows how that team is going to play out with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and Mike D'Antoni as their coach? Like this is Brooklyn is turning into this NBA fever dream that uh, we can only look, uh, you know, make up in 2K or, or just like, I don't know, just making up in our dreams. But this is the NBA now um stars have the power to leave a situation they don't feel comfortable in leave a team that you know they don't have belief in and it's going to keep continuing throughout this decade as long as people as long as you know these teams or the league itself and Adam Silver give you know this type of power to players and that's just how it's going to be. And so, you know, whether this trade goes down with James Harden or Russell Westbrook, we have to wait and see, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're traded like this week. Um, Cause it seems like their belief in the Rockets is just gone and the relationship can't be really mended back together. Um, they're two aging veteran stars, two former MVPs and they, the last thing they want on the resumes is, is a ring. And so I don't know how, how much interest Harden has with either team. I'm assuming he has a lot of interest in going to the Brooklyn Nets uh, because he has a guy in Durant and Kyrie Ring who two guys he probably respects and two guys he knows is going to ball out with them. So how that works out, we have to wait and see. Um, but James Harden leaving the Rockets, it's, here it is. It's twenty. It's twenty twenty, right? Anything can happen. Um, but the main point of this episode, we are two days away from the NBA draft. Um, I wanted to give a quick little draft preview, um, what I'm looking for, and three interesting and my favorite. Maybe not my favorite, but these are the three most interesting prospects I have coming into this year's draft and let me at first let me break down if you haven't you know looked up anything about the draft uh for this year that's fine there isn't that much uh if you are a casual NBA fan there isn't much interest in this year's draft only because of the talent pool uh isn't very good the first thing you need to know is that There's no Zion Williamson type prospect in this draft, but you probably already knew that by default since you (laughs) maybe don't even know anything about, you know, this year's prospects. There is no consensus number one pick. That is what makes this draft one of the most interesting drafts in a very, very long time, right? Uh, We have three prospects that are circling around that have the potential to be a number one pick, but all of them have very apparent flaws and they all have the potential to be a bust. So. These aren't my three most interesting ones, but let me give you a breakdown of the three top picks um, supposedly in this draft. First up is Lamelo Ball, the infamous prospect in the past couple of years, who was at Chino Hills in high school, um, gained fame along his older brother Lonzo, who's also in Chino Hills. He's probably the most gifted, skill wise, with his passing and feel for the game. Um, six seven point guard. Some issues he has are just, is he going to be that star? Uh, Can he be humble is one of the latest reports on him as well. Um, He hasn't had a good track of winning and impact, but the skills and the potential is all there to be an all-star guard in this league. Number two is Anthony Edwards, probably the most talented with shot creation and athleticism at his size and can be a scoring threat for a very long time in the NBA. Um at his ceiling, he could be like Victor ladipo At his worst, he could be like Dion Waiters. Um, so that's pretty much the type of prospect he is. And third is James Wiseman, most likely the most physically gifted in this draft as a legit seven foot seven one big man with a seven six wingspan. Uh, he has the potential to be a physically empowering and athletic rim protector and rim runner in this league with some room for a versatile skill set. Um, he has the potential to be a main offensive weapon, uh, and then half court offense, because he has some skills. He could put the ball on the floor a little bit. Um, he has to work on his touch and maybe shooting off the dribble, but at his worst, you know, he could be a solid rim runner. He could be a, maybe not at as a high leaper as deandre jordan but someone with the same impact as him Um, if he could be a great team defender but right now i'm gonna go into the three most interesting prospects in my opinion Uh, one of them is actually one of my favorite prospects so let's get into it right now i'm gonna go from uh, least i guess worst to best in terms of the mock draft so number one on my list one of my most intriguing prospects is Aaron Naismith out of Vanderbilt he is number 14 on the draft.net, and he is number 19 for uh the ringers Kevin O'Connor's mock draft uh he is one of if not the best shooter in this draft the 20 year old from Vanderbilt is 6'6 215 with a 6'10 wingspan he shot 52.2 percent from three on 115 three-point attempts of the tape that I watch from him, he is most automatic when he has space to shoot. And uh, a good thing about him is that he knows how to run off screens and read where the defense is rotating to locate himself in the perfect spot for an open three. Think of uh, lo- locating themselves like Clay Thompson, um, where, you know, he'll be cutting uh, on the baseline and then looking to flash to the wing, except the defender kind of reads it and goes over the screen to the wing. And so Clay just kind of reads that and quickly, you know, positions himself in the corner to have an open corner three, you know, moves like that is where um, a shooter like that can have a lot of impact. You know, he knows how to locate himself, knows how to create space without even having the basketball. Uh, I'm not trying to overhype him to be Clay Thompson, but he has some similarities in their games in terms of catch and shoot qualities um, and being able to shoot off of one or two dribbles off the catch. Uh, his ceiling at the moment can be the best shooter off the bench for a contending team, uh, to maybe even being a starter on a solid playoff team with a shooting prowess. Uh, Kevin O'Connor uh, from The Ringer has him with shades of Dale Ellis, Danny Green, and a taller Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald did incredible things in college and, you know, he had tremendous shooting displays. Uh, but if Naismith can, maybe if he had some of those type of types of games in college um, that were nationally recognized, uh, you know, like forty-point bombs of three-point shooting and stuff like that. He might be even ranked in the top ten if he had those t- couple games. He's one of the most interesting prospects in this draft, in my opinion, because of the amount of potential he has to become an amazing shooter in the NBA. He also isn't undersized at all, right? Uh, being six six and not really skinny as a shooter can bode well for a rookie. Um, he won't be overpowered by some of the more athletic wings in the league, but. He isn't very athletic in general, and that might hold him back from being a terrific on-ball defender. But you know, we've seen shooters where they are not plus on-ball defenders, but they are great team defenders. And if he can become a great team defender that can rotate well, use his side to con- to contest some shots, um, you know, being a smart team defender and making the right plays on offense, you know, he's in a great ball handler, obviously, and you know his decision-making and making the right passes also being a team defender is going to shoot his ceiling up um, to be a main contributor on an NBA team. Uh, he shot 82% from the line. So that's a good telling to how well he'll be able to shoot long-term uh, again. Shooting is one of the, one of if not the most important skill in the NBA means um, that means, you know, the value of shooting nowadays is so, so important that, with that skill, he can fit on any team he gets drafted to. And being a pick, you know, in the mid-late first round may get him on a solid playoff team, looking to add a shooter with size on the roster. Okay, number two most interesting draft prospects in this year's draft is Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony is number 15 on NBA and he is number 24 on the Ringers Kevin O'Connor's uh mock draft. Cole Anthony is a name that NBA fans, uh, they should know. He was being talked about as potentially being the number one pick in this year's draft literally a year ago. He was the top high school prospect in 2019 and he was headed to North Carolina, a winning college program that has produced a lot of good NBA players, including some all-timers like MJ and Vince Carter. But, um, you know, what you need to know about this kid is that He's an all-around offensive weapon at his position as an explosive scoring guard who was once projected in the top of the lottery. You know, a lot of names come can come to mind. Dame Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Kemba Walker. These types of players can be his absolute ceiling, a guard that can lead an NBA offense at a high all-star level. We could be seeing uh, Cole Anthony be knocking down threes and scoring off a pick and roll for years to come. However, he has glaring weaknesses that were more noticeable in his one year at UNC that made him slide down to the, to the last half of the first round. But uh, I have a reason that maybe can act as an excuse or maybe a factor in those glaring weaknesses. Um, as you can tell, you know, in basketball and sports, there's always some silver linings. There's always some context to put around uh, certain things of a, of a player or a team, right? Two weaknesses that he's shown this past year was shot selection and decision-making watching a scouting video from hoop intellect on YouTube. Uh, shout out to them with that video playlist, uh, his shot selection at times along with his unwillingness to pass was really ugly to see. Uh, he'll be taking contested jumpers and floaters and attacking the rim when there's a better play to be made. Right. And it just seems like most of the time he had tunnel vision and didn't make his teammates better. The reason why, uh, We can give this sort of a pass uh, in terms of, you know, not being a great decision maker with the ball is that he really had no one else that was very talented on his team. Uh, Yes, you know, for a top program like UNC, uh, they had some five-star recruits. I think he was one of three five-star recruits on that team as freshman, but Cole Anthony was by far the best player and their biggest contributor. Um, pretty much everything ran through him. And so, you know, he had to play like how he did because of all the responsibility was in his hands. And, you know, putting that much responsibility on a 6-3 scoring guard, uh, especially in today's NBA, isn't going to bode well. Um, you know, unless it's like Steph Curry who changed his game or Damian Lillard who um, took years for him to become, you know, this great, this Dominant, and you know he can be drafted just like Naismith because he's projected in the mid-late first round. He could be drafted by a solid team that can use his strengths to make him great. You know, off off the bench as a heat wave scorer, as a microwave scorer, as um, uh, you know, a third ball handler who can maybe run pick and rolls and shoot threes. Um, if he was a top lottery pick and the franchise was forced to give him the keys to the car. So to speak, Um, like, yeah, I could easily predict he would be making the same type of plays he did at UNC, Uh, but with him going to a team that can solidify a role for him, he can go back to being a top talent in this draft class. I don't doubt, you know, that if he was given at least another good college basketball player projected in the first round of this draft, his value as a scoring guard could have been a lot better entering, you know, entering the draft in two days. I would say Cole Anthony started from being overrated uh, this past year to now being very slept on. I think he's an underrated pick for a team looking to add some juice to their offense. If he continues to have this, you know, this star slash best player mentality uh, to whatever team he goes to this year, you know, it may be his demise for his development. Um, you know, think of a guy like Kemba Walker on Charlotte, where he was given the keys to the whole franchise for the, literally the entire decade. And, you know, as good as he was, he had some flashes of being a superstar. He was still only, you know, this 6-1 scoring guard that can only do so much and just wasn't in the right situation. They try to put guys around him, but none of those players or pairings really worked. And so now he got traded to, or now he signed with the Boston Celtics and has a lot more success and had flashes of really great um play during the playoffs and so you know he's in that fifth uh, Anthony's in that 15 to 20 maybe 25 range and he can go to a pretty solid team that's looking to add um, a third guard to their team and last but not least my third most interesting and probably one of my favorite prospects into this 2020 draft is Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. Isaac Okoro is listed as Number seven on the mock draft of nbadraft.net and is the number 10 prospect on Kevin O'Connor's uh, mock draft for The Ringer. Uh, Isaac Okoro is a guy that represents a lot of the players in the first round of this draft, uh, being that Isaac Okoro can be the perfect role player for any team. And that goes, uh, you know, without saying uh, for a lot of the other players in this first round who maybe not become superstars or all-stars in this league but will become quality quality starters or role players on any given team um okoro has the perfect skill set to mesh with a lot of teams looking to compete for an a nba championship if you haven't heard about isaac okoro i'll give you a brief rundown on his type of skills uh, defense athleticism slashing versatility Okoro has shown all these traits in his freshman season at Auburn and has a track record of, record of always being on a winning team, even dating back to his high school AAU days. He is a smart and physical individual defender um, and also can be a great team defender. Uh, at his ceiling, he can be a guy matched up on the opponent's best player, uh, whether it be a guard or a wing. He's 6'6", uh, has like a 6'10 wingspan, I think. And has size. Uh, a solid comparison may be Matisse Thybul from last year's draft. Only he is stronger and might be more athletic than him. And maybe a better offensive player as well. Uh, but at the same time, he isn't just some guy like, you know, Robertson or Tony Allen where all they can do is defend. Okoro was a solid slasher in the half court and especially in transition. Uh, he can finish with contact and add some moves at the rim with like Euro steps and maybe some spin moves. Um, And he's not afraid of contact is one of the best things, right? Um, Especially with these bigger athletic guys in the NBA defending the rim, he can use his body and have some tough finishes, uh, maybe get fouled along the way. Even though he isn't a great uh, free throw shooter, um, you know, getting to the line as much as possible as a slasher um, could help him improve his offensive game. Uh, Kevin O'Connor wrote that he has shades of Gerald Wallace and Justice Winslow. So, those are two guys that can really, that were really good defenders. Um, well, Winslow is still a really good defender with slashing qualities, um, with some ball handling qualities. Maybe not the most promising thing for Okoro is his playmaking and, you know, and his ball handling, but something that could improve for him. Um, the ceiling for Okoro can significantly rise. If his ball handling and shooting can improve, he's not a guy that is going to blow by defenders, but the slashing can translate and improve in the NBA because of his size, right? He's six, six. And he's big and strong. He's not some slender guy, maybe like, like Mikael Bridges or something. Um, He has a big frame too. And that will help him on defense and on offense. Uh, He only shot 28% from three last season. And maybe if he can get to around 35% from the corner or something, uh, that's something doable for a young rookie like that, and you know that can increase his NBA value um, just with the way the NBA the basketball is played in the NBA today. As a versatile uh, switch defender wing, playing the three or a small ball four, uh, he's projected somewhere in the bottom half of the top ten, and he is a favorable uh, trade down uh, target for the Warriors, which is why he. He might be one of my favorite prospects just because of that possibility. Um, And it may depend on whether, you know, on where he's drafted if he wants to make an impact right away. You know, getting in, like I said, with Cole Anthony and Naismith, uh, getting drafted by a team like the Knicks or or the Pistons at his spot might be detrimental uh, for his development as he may be given too much responsibility or, you know, be given too much expectations right off the bat. But... If you were, if he was utilized well by a team who needs a glue guy, uh, for example, the Warriors might look to trade down from number two to draft uh, Isaac Okoro. Uh, he's a perfect complement to Stephen Clay, right? So he is that glue guy. He is that that guy with the bunch of skills and defensive um, prowess that teams are always looking to add for their teams um, as a floor like he could be Andre Robertson, like we we may not even know, but as a ceiling, like he could be a guy like Andre Iguodala when he was younger, right? A slasher, a defender. Um he's very athletic. And one of the better, you know, athletic guys in this draft. And at his size with his frame and his track record of being a very smart and winning player, um that could go well for him and ha- you know, give him a lot of years in the NBA. And so uh, he has a bright future, I think, ahead of him. If he's in the right situation, he could be amazing, and maybe the best or one of the best glue guys in the NBA. So that's it. Those are my three most intriguing uh, draft prospects, and hopefully, that got you excited for the draft. It got me excited for the drafts um, with these two trades that are about to happen. You know, with the Lakers, and then obviously the the Chris Paul trade. We still have some teams looking to make trades, whether it be the Rockets or the Pacers or maybe the Bucks or the Nets and um, even all these other teams looking to get Drew Holiday, who the Pelicans have been shopping, right? Denver has reportedly become one of the stronger teams in the mix for Drew Holiday. Um, Will the Knicks trade up? Will the the Bulls trade up? You know, there's so many different scenarios that can happen on on just draft night, let alone you know, this week with the trade moratorium being lifted and teams, you know, desperately wanting to get the roster set to get ready for training camp as it's in less than a month. It starts on December 1st. And so these teams will be looking to sign their guys, uh, get their trades done as fast as possible, which has not been done in the NBA for a while, right? Even though the first day of free agency is always one of the craziest, we may not even see like a slowdown period. We might just be seeing deals and, and signings and trades being done uh, each and every day uh, leading up to training camps and everything like that so be on the lookout for that I'm excited obviously because my Warriors are they have the number two pick they have so many different scenarios that can happen for them whether trading for a star player or trading down to get uh, a couple veterans or something like that Um, it's going to be really great to watch and I can't wait so again if you enjoyed this episode please follow me on twitter at Obey Oblena O-B-E-Y-O-B-L-E-N, as in Nancy, A. Um, you can look out for the next episode. We'll be coming maybe uh, later this week, maybe during the weekend or earlier next week. We have the trade uh, moratorium lifted again uh, earlier today. We have the draft in two days and we have free agency starting shortly after. So very exciting time in the NBA. Um, once again, if you enjoyed this episode, please Uh, Give me a follow on Twitter, uh, share the episode with all your friends, all your hoop heads. And again, be safe and hope to talk to you guys soon.